When I first came to Chicago in the year 2000 uh, to study, I was residing at Queen of All Saints Basilica, and a gentleman called the parish office and said, a friend of his is in hospital, and he would like him to be anointed before he underwent a major surgery. So I drove down into the city uh, to Rush Hospital, and I met this gentleman whom I had never met before, um, we had a pleasant conversation, and I anointed him and heard his confession and uh, wished him well in his surgery. A few weeks later, uh, he contacted the parish once again, and he had recovered and was well again, and he said he would like to take me out for dinner. So uh, we arranged to go out for dinner, and uh, he said he would come by and uh, collect me at the rectory, and we would go from there. To put it mildly, he's the person you want to go out for dinner with. <laughs> because he pulled up at the rectory with a Mercedes-Benz that stretched from here to the narthex. <laughs> and when we went to a restaurant, you know, he was very well known, and immediately his car was parked curbside, right outside the restaurant. And we walked in, every man said, oh, they were like so delighted to see him. Everybody made a fuss of him. And he was brought in to kind of given a, a great table and the service was just unbelievable. So after meeting him on a couple of occasions, he was a man of great wealth. He lived in magnificent mansion. His wife drove a Bentley. His second car was a Rolls-Royce. He had a 60-foot yacht on Lake Michigan, member of the yacht club, member of country clubs, another mansion in Florida that he let out to his friends. I kept that at the back of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but then I went back to Africa, and we, we parted company. So I returned in 2006, and... Um, you know, I was there for about a year when I heard from him once again. This time, he was living in a two-bedroom condominium, he and his wife, a two-bedroom apartment. Everything was gone. Because of a business deal, a, a considerable fortune had disappeared, including all his houses, his yacht, and everything else. So he was a very, very humbled man. And he was very humiliated because he was very famous and was very loved by a lot of people, including all the charities that he gave to. Everybody before was always talking about how great a guy he was, how generous to charities, and uh, a lot of people were hanging around him as well. Probably the greatest insult came at his funeral. And when we drove up to, his ch to the church, there was only very few people there, 15 or 20 people. And the doors of the church happened to be locked, so we couldn't get in. And somebody had to go and tell the church that there was a funeral coming in, 
and to open the doors. It was like salt in the wound. Because I'm sure if it was somebody who was famous and rich, the doors would have been wide open hours before the funeral. So there was hardly anyone at his funeral, and the way he ended his life was very far from the way in which he lived his life. From being important, for being great, from being known by everyone and being famous, to being very much humbled and insignificant at the end of his life. This is what the gospel wants to teach us today. Jesus wants us to make sure that this doesn't happen in our lives. And he is teaching his disciples about what it means to be, to be true to his name, what it means to be faithful to the way God is in the world, how to exercise the power that we have. He is just giving them this lesson when we have the gospel of today. And John, of all people, the beloved disciple, comes to him and says, Jesus, there is a man casting out demons in your name, and he is not one of us. So the disciples were becoming famous, were becoming great, because they were disciples of Jesus Christ, and they were casting out demons. It is very interesting that it says in the gospel, he is not following us. Notice the difference. He is not following the disciples. It doesn't mean he's not following you. He's not following us, and you must stop him. Because they are falling into the trap of becoming great, becoming famous, becoming centered on other people's opinion of them. Jesus responds to them by saying that what is a priority in the kingdom of God? What is a priority for God and for Jesus is that there would become a new humanity. The kingdom of God would be established among people. Jesus goes on to say that this kingdom of God, this new humanity, is one in where everybody would be set free, where simple acts of kindness, where good people should be considered children of God, so that the disciples do not have a monopoly on doing good. Any person, irrespective of their situation in life, any person doing any kind of good should be considered a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that is what Jesus wants the disciples to know. The disciples wanted to stop him. They had no attention or no consideration for the people who were set free. So what was happening was a power play between the disciples and other people who were working these acts in Jesus' name. The desire to be famous, the desire to be great, is deeply ingrained in everyone.
And that is what Jesus wants us to know. Everybody here, the desire to be great, the desire to be famous, is deeply ingrained in everyone. Jesus likens it to being like yeast among the dough. It is all-pervasive. It invades everything. And it is always present in our lives. He does not want us to be following that path. Because if we follow the path of seeking greatness for ourselves or those around us, then it will lead us to focus our attention on other great people and that we will come to despise the little ones and the lowly ones. That is why he uses very strong language when he's speaking about if your eye should cause you to sin, cut it out. If your hand should cause you to sin, chop it off. And same with the leg. These were very basic, very brutal uh, tactics or punishments that people had to undergo. If somebody stole at the time of Jesus Christ and in, in, in those times, their hand was cut off. If somebody was a slave and escaped, their foot was cut off. If somebody uh, abused anyone, um, man to woman or otherwise, it was uh, then their eye was ripped out. These were very basic punishments to prevent people from doing something that was wrong. And Jesus is using that image to kind of remind us not that that should be done, that's completely against his teaching, but he's using it in a symbolic way that we should be incredibly careful that we don't get caught up in that desire to be famous, in that desire to be great, in which our energies are focused in that direction and our energies are not focused on being good and being kind and being other-centered rather than being self-centered. And this is what Jesus expects of us. We have to be very careful, all of us, in our different walks of life about that temptation to seek greatness. Parents have to be very careful when it comes to their children and how the temptation is to seek your greatness through them. I remember in one case, the same parish, Queen of All Saints, a kid was put under pressure to join the football team that he didn't want to join. And the reason why he was being put under pressure was his parents wanted to be in the inner group of socializing with people. So that desire to be great can manifest itself in many different ways. We here at St. Joe's, we have people who are, you could say, famous. Some sports personalities sometimes come here and are famous. And then we have other people who are, you could say, very quiet and reserved. And they are making very significant difference in people's lives, in particular in healthcare. Sometimes we elevate one and we are indifferent to the other. In the same way, we are not being faithful disciples of Jesus Christ 
by focusing on what Jesus focused on and what Jesus wanted for every person. And I say it once again, that the new humanity, the kingdom of God that Jesus wants to bring us among us, is a relationship with God and a relationship with each other that is founded on God's personal love for every person, irrespective of who or what they are, on an understanding that God delights in forgiving us our failings and our shortcomings. And just as God doesn't hold us in our failings and shortcomings, we should not hold other people in their shortcomings or failings either. And that God is present to people at all times and all situations in his lives. And most of the time, God manifests that presence through other people that he calls into discipleship. Today, we had a funeral here at St. Joe's. I would guess there was over 500 people at it. There was a horse outside. First time I've ever seen a horse come to a funeral. And the reason why there was a horse outside was because this gentleman had a very special care for vulnerable children, for those who were vulnerable in any way. And he arranged and set up an organization that these children were able to go horse riding. And he did that for many, many children. And a lot of the children were here as well. He really is the perfect example of what Jesus is talking about. A person who sought to do good, who sought to make other people feel that they were beloved. And he wasn't focused on himself and making himself great.